To open the season, Colorado has to take on TCU. Then, for their first game ever of the Coach Prime era at home, they get to play against their rival Nebraska. How's that game going to go? Is it going to be a blowout win? Is it going to be a loss? How big is the rivalry? We're going to talk about that and more in today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I'm your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me today is Nebraska's own Caleb Henry. I'm KLIN Senior Director and Program Director, Sports Director, excuse me. Caleb Henry, time coming to talk about the Cornhuskers and everything that they bring to the table and what this matchup is going to entail. Caleb, thanks for joining us. Um, I want you guys to know that Locked on Buffs is brought to you every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's your team every single day, so come check us out. Caleb, let's dive right into it. Um, yeah, yeah, let's whoop. go. I like I like how your only two options, by the way, are either Colorado by a lot or Colorado losing by a little. You know, <laughs> got to keep got to keep the fans happy. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think it's going to be a super close game as the spread indicates. I don't mess with the odds makers, Caleb. Um, if they tell me it's going to be a close game, I'm like, OK, it's going to be a close game. <laughs> well, you're, you're about to join the Big 12. I mean, you got to get ready for Iowa State. They mess with the odds makers all the time. It's true. Iowa State's <laughs> dabbling, betting against themselves, betting for themselves. It's very interesting. Don't know what's going on in the state of Iowa. Um, they must have just discovered FanDuel. Um, there is nothing to do there, so shout out to them. Um, but let's get into the nitty gritty of the game. Um, obviously, both teams are changed um, dramatically. You guys had Scott Frost last year. Um, Scott Frost just never really panned out. Um, same thing with Carl Durrell. I would say Carl Durrell to a lesser degree. I think Scott Frost had more hype, obviously. He came over from UCF with the all of the, the mania that happened there in Orlando and then just didn't click in Nebraska. And so they bring in Matt Rule, who had success at Baylor, kind of revived that program after the horrendous Art Briles era. Um, it's tenure, I guess, with all the drama and um, scandal off the field. So talk to me about the game and just what's different about Nebraska moving forward now. Oh, yeah, there were – because you come off of now it's been several years in a row that Nebraska hasn't even made a bowl game. So around the program, expectations feel different. And, and I think when people, if they think back to, for Colorado fans especially, I know they, they played a few years ago, but um, if you think back to being in the same league, being in the Big 12, being in the Big 8, and you think about Nebraska, the expectations were you're going to a bowl game at the very minimum and – you're most likely competing for a division title, if not a conference title, and then to finish it, figure out where you're going to be in the top 10 at the end of the year. That's not where the expectations are for Nebraska right now because of the way the last several years have gone, even with Matt Rule, or I guess maybe even especially with Matt Rule because his turnarounds, those the first year was, uh, was a bad year. Like it would be, what was it, 1-11 and at Baylor in his first year, not around that same area at Temple in his first year. And once you get to the second year, then you started to see some stuff take off. So it's figuring out where you're at in that in that Matt Rule progression where things are vastly different than the last time he was in college football. You've got NIL. You've got the the one-time transfer rule. NCAA has started to um, legis- or not legislate, but rule against people when they have more than one. And we saw for a couple of years where it was just a, it was free transfer third, fourth time. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, so that part is kind of changing a little bit, but for Nebraska, you lost a, your starting quarterback. Um, you've lost several guys that would have been key contributors on both sides of the ball. Um, you had 
Trey Palmer, who, as a matter of fact, just in his preseason game, was catching a touchdown pass. You had a four-year starter in Adrian Martinez, who didn't play for Nebraska last year, played for Kansas State, but he had a rushing touchdown. So you you have some of these guys that have been around the program, and Nebraska had some success. Garrett Nelson got a sack, and he, he would have been one of your best kind of D-end linebackers. So there are guys that are getting run, at least early on in the preseason, that are no longer with Nebraska football. So you've got to replace a lot of those. Bring in a big quarterback. He's huge. Jeff Sims, like six foot five. He he makes the linebackers look small, which making players look small is probably something that I, I think Colorado fans, when they see the pictures and the giant helmets, it's like, man, those guys look like they're 85 pounds. Yeah. For those DBs and they're no no passing zone sign outside of an apartment <laughs> complex. Um, but this team is going to go through an offensive change because you switched out of Scott Frost just three games into last year. You went to Mickey Joseph. You already had some changes happening within the program there. Defensively, sounds like it'll be a base in a 3-3-5, which Nebraska hasn't really run. What is that going to look like when you have some new players come in and mix in with some returning players? You've already lost one this in the in the fall camp with Miles Farmer, who is expected to be one of your best defensive backs. Mm-hmm. You've got a, a good guy who came in in the uh, what they're calling their jack linebacker spot with MJ Sherman. He's one of my favorite players on the defense. And then you've got a couple of big-time returning uh, linebackers with Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer. Maybe Marcus Buford in the secondary, maybe a Nash Hutmacher in the middle if, if he can develop. But there's there's question marks all over the place for this Nebraska team on both sides of the ball. And I think Colorado fans can can relate to that. When you have a regime change and you have a bunch of transfers come in and then a couple of the guys that stuck around, did they develop? How did they take to the new coaching staff? It's just there's so many questions and we can only see so much from hype videos and then like 20 minutes at practice where they're mostly just warming up. Yeah, that's the kind of interesting thing about Colorado, too, is obviously there's media access. Um, I I live in California, so I'm not there. My intern is actually going to start going to all the practices pretty soon here. but obviously you're limited. Like you said, you get, which I don't think people realize this. You, we, we get as the media, we get like 20 ish minutes of like, we're able to watch them. And then it's like, okay, put your phones away, put your <laughs> video away. Some programs will ask you to leave. Some will let you just stick around. Mm-hmm. So that way you could watch. Um, but yeah, the transfer thing is huge for Colorado. Obviously they brought in over 50, um, only 10 scholarship players from last year. And I will say the practice jerseys, Caleb, maybe it's a mind game because they have some big guys on their team. I just think they have arguably the largest practice jerseys I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> super baggy. Uh, the helmets with the little extra padding on it make them seem even smaller. So maybe it's just like a mind game. So when they take the field, everybody's like, oh, wow, this seems kind of big. Um, but yeah, I think I think Colorado, they bring the element of surprise. Um, they upgraded at every position, really. Um, that team last year was probably... Um, I had Brett Siancia from pick six previews on and yep. he said that team ranked for in every statistical category they ranked at or near the bottom. Like that team is literally one of the worst teams in college football, maybe history. Uh, they were just not good. <laughs> it's unfortunate how um, I think their situation panned out. I think realistically we weren't expecting to see the business side of college football, but I'm sure every year there's coaches imploring players to kind of hit the portal. Um, it's just not, usually broadcasted like coach primes every day is because his son Dion jr runs well off media who kind of does all the behind the scenes stuff, which is mm-hmm. another way we see our, uh, we see Colorado practice. So that's the interesting portion of it. Um, football wise, it's just going to be so interesting. I feel like that TCU game week one is going to be a huge indicator for Colorado. Um, that's going to be our first real taste because we can't even go off the spring game because I would say 
at least 65% of the players that played in the spring game are no longer here. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, I don't want to say it was a waste, but it was like, eh, we, none of those guys are here anymore. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get a little more on Jeff Sims because he reminds me. And I, when I say this, I'm not trying to throw any shade at him, but of a lesser version of Anthony Richardson. Um, okay. he's, he's always been a guy who has the athleticism, the big arm. It's just never been, consistent um mm-hmm. at least at georgia tech it wasn't he was never able to string together consistent performances where it's like okay he's really dominating us today it was like he'd have great moments but not great performances so touch on that for me yeah and i, I don't think that that's a that's a bad uh a bad way to put it for for sims just because if you watch any of the tape for him at georgia tech what was the big issue a little bit of decision making and turnovers and that's something that nebraska has had issues with at its quarterback position <laughs> what since Jamal Lord, since Eric Crouch, like there, there hasn't really, you, you might be able to to sprinkle in every now and then you'd have really good decision-making quarterback here or there. But you think of the, the big quarterback names that people got to know Taylor Martinez, as soon as Nebraska left the big 12 into the big 10, mm-hmm. there wasn't a big arm, but it would become, okay. Is he a little bit turnover prone? Adrian Martinez for four years here pretty turnover prone now some of that were the were the guys around him but for jeff sims can he come in work with the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach marcus satterfeld what is that going to do for him on decision making where knowing that he is the number one guy what is it like developing under under matt rule where so much of it is going to be taking care of the ball and then the offensive line where that's the one coach that was retained donovan riola was the offensive line coach from the last staff Mark and uh, Matt Rule talked about how it's because of the way the the system that he runs for offensive linemen, which I think is a learning thing for a lot of people. Going, oh, there's there's different ways to coach an offensive line or different different philosophies because it, it, you can watch a lot of football, but offensive linemen always feel like they're just in their own world anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Riola was was brought back, and you were missing a guy last year who was who was suspended, and he came back this year, Nori Nuili, and you've got. So some really good guys, you brought in a transfer at center, but can they develop and actually protect it all? Because because that has been something for, for Nebraska's quarterbacks where it seemed like they're not that bad, mm-hmm. but the offensive line just never meshed over the last several years. They've put multiple guys into the NFL off of this offensive line, including a second rounder in Cam Jurgens, who might be starting this year for the Eagles at guard mm-hmm. um, after getting recruited as a tight end out of high school. So they're... That that's to me my biggest issue is if the offensive line can't hold up, what is the kind of decision making and, and to limit yourself from having those turnovers for Jeff Sims? And then of course, can like he's a big dude, like really big dude. Um, what is that going to do for him if things don't hold up? He has to make quicker decisions. He is taking a lot of hits. It's not a it's not a deep quarterback room behind him with with Chubba Purdy, who sounds like he's he's made some 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 steps up over the course of this fall camp in the spring. But whenever we saw him last year, go in for Casey Thompson, there was a fear. Like you could visibly see a fear with how quick, like he'd get happy feet. And that's a hard thing to see in front of 90,000 fans at Memorial stadium. When a guy goes in and it's like, he's scared to be out there. So you hope he's another year older, another year wiser if he has to go in. And then Heinrich Harburg is just, he hasn't really played since high school. And that's, that's a guy that that I coached around. Uh, I was coaching actually at that high school track team when he was there. And big arm, super athletic. But Nebraska has gone several years where they they have to dip into the backup quarterback. 
So for Jeff Sims, can he be protected? Can he take care of the football? Can we keep him on the field? Is though like those are the three big questions for Nebraska football at the quarterback position? Yeah, I liked everything you said there. Um, one note: I also think Dominic Raiola may have been retained for uh, the recruitment of a young quarterback, um, Donovan. <laughs> uh, yes, Donovan. Um, I think he was. Do you think he they re- retained him to help with Dylan? I don't think it would. I mean, you start to get into some some five D chess <laughs> with all of that, and and right. I think there there's always that part of going. This is a nice little bonus of uh, right. the connection that that he has to a five-star quarterback who now ultimately Dylan Raiola going to Georgia and transferred to his fourth high school in four years, where now he's playing out in Georgia for his senior year. Yeah. I think that that would have been nice if, if you could have just said, Hey, here's a nice little feather. We have this, this guy here who's family and ultimately you do want to come here. But I think it was more with the recruitment of Dylan Raiola. It was a lot more about for him mm-hmm. to do with the connections to Lincoln with, with his dad playing here, being, mm-hmm. being just an absolute stud and revered by the fan base so much that it was that his uncle was on the staff. Right. Now, maybe maybe previously, maybe with the previous staff, that would have yeah. been, let's bring this guy in because we're trying to go through the recruitment. <laughs> um, but for Matt Rule, I think it had a lot more to do with long-term, right. the philosophy of the way the offensive line is coached. I just had I just had to see, put it out there. Put out oh, some yeah, theory. it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I think this game is going to have a lot of interesting aspects to it. Jeff Sims is kind of the wild card to, to me because realistically – um, I would say, which it's not the best place to be concerned, but my two biggest concerns for Colorado are the trenches, um, both sides. A little more confident in the defense line because they just brought in guys who they just have either the intangibles, um, they were at bigger schools, and they just either didn't get to play or just didn't work out. And so the offensive line is all guys from like Liberty, Kent State. Um, they do have one returning starter. Um, so the offensive line is kind of a, a, a mystery to me. So how Jeff Sims is able to kind of dissect the defense is going to be interesting because if he could use his legs and kind of open up things for his arm, that makes life easier for him before we move on. But, but um, it sounds like, it yeah. sounds like your own quarterback is throwing no interceptions in all of the touchdowns. So it doesn't seem like the secondary is holding up over there in Boulder. Maybe Travis Hunter was on offense though. <laughs> maybe Travis, maybe he was throwing to yeah. Travis Hunter. Who knows? Yeah. I saw that. That was, I talked about a couple days ago and I, I said that was great for the offense because it builds confidence. Um, Shadur is learning the offense because this is his third offense in three years. And for the defense, I was like, let's get a pick on there. You know, yeah, let's, get yeah, a, let's, get a, let's get a crooked <laughs> number in that column. <laughs> Before we move on, we have a new sponsor, uh, Nutrafol. Um, this episode of Locked on Buffs is brought to you by Nutrafol. Um, let me tell you about it because if you're unfamiliar with it, you'll need to know. Um, me personally. I have what I consider a lovely head of hair. Um, so so does Caleb over there. Got the nice little man bun. Um, you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. So take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You could go ahead. Uh, you could get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. If you're tired of weakening or thinning hair, do you want to reach your hair's full potential? Um, the leading hair growth su- supplement, Nutrafol, helps improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp um, coverage. So it's the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Um, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter promo code locked on college. 
Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men, and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's Nutrafol, excuse me, .com slash men, promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Fellas, go get that hair looking nice and thick. <laughs> okay, back with Caleb Henry. We're talking about Colorado, Nebraska. It's kind of one of the more underrated rivalries. We'll get to that later. But one of the more, it's been a low-key kind of jab of sorts or rivalry of sorts is Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, um, and Matt Rule. Um, it's been a rivalry of philosophies. It's been a rivalry of is so-and-so copying me? Is so-and-so doing this that I do? I Realistically, I'll, I'll, let me tell the listeners and the viewers right now. Every college coach does something that another college coach does, so I promise you no one's copying anybody. Because <laughs> um, there was the, the criticism when the number thing came out. Um, coach Prime made Colorado guys earn their numbers, which at the time I think only like seven guys did, and then the rest of the roster left anyway. So it didn't really matter. Um, and then Matt Rule, same thing, um, earn the numbers. Uh, I think they're just old school, but talk to me about this. Is it more of a fan fueled rivalry or is there anything between these two guys? It's absolutely fan fueled. And then like, even if you you look at the number thing, it is for Matt rule. There is a, a tradition that he started at an earlier coaching staff coaching stop that I think he even got from somebody else. And it's the single digit numbers. Like guys yeah. had numbers. They had practice numbers. They had all of these things, but it's, what they decide exemplifies everything it means to be a Cornhusker, who's the, the toughest guys, and their teammates vote on them. And we saw a few of those released this week. Where And then an offensive lineman got an honorary one, but you're not going to see an offensive lineman wearing like number four. It's like, right. wow, look at that left tackle, number four. Like That's not a thing they're going to do. But the, it, it's a it's a way to earn those numbers up there. And for, and for, for Dion, for Colorado, they had to earn the number as being like part of the program. So even there, like it, there's, there's slight differences in the way they're doing it, but at the end of the day, they're trying to just earn their places within the team and earn their that hierarchy and the respect of their teammates. It's so much more fan-fueled than it is anything between Deion Sanders and Matt Rule because like you see the, the comments, and then it's, it's fans that take it and run with it. And one of them that, that blew up recently was talking about how Matt Rule at Big Ten Media Days was saying that, Dion is taking Colorado and making them extremely relevant. That's what we're trying to do at Nebraska, obviously paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And then the, the articles that got run by it, fantastic Twitter handle to have for it with a guy where it's like just BS is I think is the Twitter handle. <laughs> um, but when, when you, when you write something like that, you go, okay, he wants to come in and copy 100% of what, what Dion Sanders is doing. And he, he wants to, he wants to copy that playbook. But for Matt rule, he was just saying, no, that, that's a first-year head coach over at Colorado. You could have made it any other program in the country. It could have been Luke Fickle at, at Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's obviously had more recent success. And said he's trying to take that program to relevancy that they haven't had for several years. Mm-hmm. That's the exact same thing we're trying to do at Nebraska. Take it to a relevant level that hasn't been there for several years. But when you get it into, you get it into some really good clickbait articles. You get it into the the fans' hands. It, 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 Maybe guilty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we love the clicks. I love it. You, you help us out a little bit with that. But but at the end of the day, like Matt Rule's not really taking shots at Deion Sanders, and and Deion Sanders isn't at least from what I've heard not really taking explicit shots at Matt Rule. As a matter of fact, on our radio program here back in the spring, we had Matt Rule on, and I asked him 
because at the time, well, Northwestern didn't have a first-year head coach yet, but there, there are several first-year head coaches, um, at least at their stops, on Nebraska's schedule, including mm-hmm. Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, but the one right out the, at the gate, second week of the year at Colorado with Deion Sanders. I said, are you watching any of these other guys mm-hmm. with the way you can see it posted on social media? And especially because we can see a lot more of the stuff. Sometimes it looks super stage. I got to admit that. But you see a lot of Deion Sanders. <laughs> yeah. like, so he is out there. Are you watching those? And, and Matt Rule even said, yeah, I love to watch those because I might learn something that I want to do. And that's ultimately at the end of the day what these coaches are doing. Anything that gets put out on the Internet, it's, it's a, a five-minute video on Twitter or it's something on YouTube. They're going to watch those if they have the time mm-hmm. to not only learn about their opponent, but maybe learn something about themselves that they might be able to integrate. Is that copying? Is it stealing? They're all doing it. The, the thing is, like when you get to the highest level, Alabama is not necessarily doing something that nobody else is doing. They're just doing it at a higher level. Right. Like they, they have bigger coaches, bigger players, better players. That's what makes them Alabama. But that's nothing different than what Tennessee State tries to do. That's nothing different than what Utah tries to do. It's just they're able to do it at a higher level, and that, that's where you see the big differences there. So, yeah, for the for the Dion versus Rule stuff, it's so much more fan-made. Okay, I would love it to be at a place, though, where there was a little bit of real animosity between the head coaches because I think that that's one of the things that can make a, a rivalry, rivalry look really, really good mm-hmm. is when it's like, yeah, that, that coach I, that coach definitely respects who's on the other sideline, but he does not care for him at all. And yeah. I, and, the, and fans like we're as fans, we're already all running away with this. And yeah. being like, you know what? If Dion would have come to Lincoln, he would have been our guy. But he's at Boulder, so he's not our guy. Yeah, and I'm sure he's on Boulder. They're like, if Matt Rule would have been here, he'd have been our guy. But he's in Lincoln, so he's not. Which we, we love a good rivalry. I think the closest thing to a shot I've seen throughout this entire, because I think they were both hired around January-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, when Matt Rule was talking about the transfer portal and how he was excited to coach his guys while Coach Prime was still making it clear that he was dabbling in the portal, I think that was the closest thing. Um, there's things like, um, which honestly, the people on the internet are super sleuths. Like if I ever need something like a mystery <laughs> solved, I'm going to Twitter and I'm posting all the evidence I know because there was a picture of Matt Rule in his office and there was, I believe, a photo of Ralphie, the Buffalo. And mm-hmm. it was like Colorado Twitter was like, oh, my gosh, he has a picture of Ralphie, the Buffalo. I was so, like, so here's the thing. Here's what that picture is. Okay, that's from, a, that's, from, that's from an old Nebraska game. And Ralphie was running onto the field. And, mm-hmm. oh, God, I think it was Frank Solich. But it, it, it was Nebraska coaches were out there and just kind of like staring Ralphie down. And that, that's its own legendary image within for, for Nebraska fans. And then they have okay. it in the coach's office there that it was this standoff between Ralphie and the Nebraska team. So that's the okay. part on there as opposed to just, well, we got a random picture of Ralphie up in the Nebraska coach's Here's office. Ralph- that's, the, that's the back end story for it. Ralphie's majestic. You know, yeah. I, I didn't, I went to the spring game, didn't get to see her run out, but I'm excited to see a Ralphie run. Um, the, I think the thing about coach prime too is, and, th- and this is going to sound a little weird, but his status as uh, of where he is as a player, former player mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, I don't always feel like he feels the need to respond to people. I think the only person he's responded to actually was Pat Narduzzi because um, Pat Narduzzi was coming at him pretty hard. And uh, he kind of ended that with like, a, honestly, I don't know who that is. Like he's like, he could walk <laughs> into this room and I wouldn't know. And that kind of, 
I feel like if you're Pat Narduzzi, that's like, a, oh, I'm going to stop talking about him because obviously that's embarrassing. Um, but realistically, Coach Prime hasn't been um, – because he's had chances, you know. Um, Jim Morris come for him, uh, Brent Venables. Uh, and you name a coach, and they've probably said something about him. Lane Kiffin has kind of made comments about the transfer portal stuff. And so Coach Prime has kind of just kept it, at least in-house. I don't know if he responds privately or whatever, but he keeps it to himself. And so I think this rivalry game has a lot to offer, and we're going to talk about the importance of the rivalry um, when we come back. Okay, me and Caleb Henry are here talking about the Colorado-Nebraska rivalry. Colorado's won the last two, um, but Nebraska's won 49, uh, Colorado's won 20. And then we got two ties is what is what my eyes are telling me. Um, yeah, they used, they used to allow ties. Like, this don't is know what it. that's about. Don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, that must have been back when they didn't have an overtime where you started on the five-yard line or whatever it is. Um, talk to me about the importance of this rivalry. Um, I think it's one... When we think of college football rivalries, we think of the Iron Bowl, Red River, um, you name it, the, the, the rivalry known as the formerly known as the Civil War. So talk to me about this one, because I feel like it's kind of a, a low key one that needs more love. Well, for, for Nebraska fans, the last couple of years got to take on Oklahoma, which was up until the Big 8 became the Big 12, Nebraska-Oklahoma was always that last game of the year. It was Thanksgiving or Black Friday. And we got to hear the last couple of years about how much respect there was in the rivalry. And now in retrospect, it's, it's respect. But at the time from talking to people, it was a hatred of Oklahoma because they had something that Nebraska wanted. And then Nebraska went on a tear into the, the eighties and the nineties and Oklahoma started to fall off there at that time. So mm-hmm. there, there was a hatred between the programs that is now viewed through the, the, the nostalgic lens of respect. When you bring up Colorado, which then became that last game of the year for, for the Nebraska-Colorado when in the Big 12, that is still viewed as hatred. Like, that is viewed, if you if you go out to Boulder, you're probably going to want to change your plates because if you have Nebraska plates on, your tires are going to get slashed. They, mm-hmm. They've thrown AA batteries at fans. Like, you, have, you hear all these stories that didn't come up with Oklahoma the last couple of years because there's just, there, there's a still sitting right under it's not even boiling under the surface so much as people in nebraska have a hatred for colorado its program and its fans yeah and you you see it with and think thank god for twitter or x or whatever we're supposed to call it today <laughs> but you can see it go the other way with colorado having a hatred for nebraska though those guys over there they're, they're entitled they think they deserve everything they haven't won anything since the 90s and and, and I think for, for Nebraska and Colorado, um, and, and as Nebraska is celebrating its 100th year in the 100-year anniversary of Memorial Stadium, there are... Um, Colorado. There, That's crazy. Col- well, well not, not with the Colorado game, but it'll be later right, right. in the year. But, but Colorado being part of that, that 100 years, right. from being in a league. So you start to see some of the... You start to see some of those old plays, and there was... Uh, a year that the Nebraska had been down for a couple of years and Colorado was doing okay in the big 12. I don't know what the regions were talking about, about going back and dominating the big 12 because Colorado didn't necessarily dominate towards the end. Anyway, when you're sub 500 every year, anything above that's like, right. right, (laughs) There was a couple of wins dominated those guys. Um, But, but yeah, so you we're starting to see some of those, plays that that made this program over the last 100 years and one of them was in the the mid 2000s in Dominican Sioux dominating dominating Colorado 
and then Alex Henry hitting a 57 yard field goal to win the game. And that, that was for me at the time I was in high school and I had a lot of friends that were way more into the, the week to week of Nebraska football than I was. And I, like I was fortunate enough that I was always in a sport and something was happening for me. So being far enough out into central and Western Nebraska, it wasn't always on my radar how things were going, but my friends that lived it like every day lived it mm. were had those feelings of Nebraska is on to something after beating Colorado on that play. Mm. And, and those are the types of things that, uh, or Colorado knocked off Nebraska back in 2001. So then Colorado got to go play for the big 12 championship. And then Nebraska sneaks in on the computers and gets to go get hammered by Miami in the Rose bowl. Like <laughs> there are so many things that, that for these programs just in my lifetime that have mm-hmm. happened, let alone when you start to really go to the, to some of my, my friends and my older colleagues and in people that, that lived it a little bit more when you do get into the early nineties and you get into the eighties and you get a lot more old school where apparently just like anything was allowed uh, on like the, yeah. the fan side glass of things. Nipples, glass yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of those kinds of things. That's the part where I'm so glad that this rivalry is happening mm-hmm. before we get to whatever's happening with conference realignment and, and non-conference games potentially going like whatever any of these are going to look like. I'm glad that here, as they would say in uh, Lord of the Rings, here at the end of all things, <laughs> Nebraska and Colorado get to battle it out a little bit and let that hatred with first-year head coaches, just who's going to figure it out faster second week into the year. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too, because it's like both teams were terrible last year. Both coaches are new. They brought in new cultures, new everything. Coach Prime, I think the first thing he mentioned, when he t- which this was the interesting part, and I'm kind of glad we get the behind-the-scenes stuff of him, is we were talking about, or not we, he was talking about with Joel Klatt when he first took the job and he tells the the roster last year, I'm bringing my own luggage. It's Louie, a comment that everybody was like, <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. And then he talks about like what he walks into. He's he's walking into each positional meeting room to meet the position groups. And one position group, he didn't say which one, was bumping music on their phones, feet up on the table. They had a boom box that was just blasting super loud music. Didn't turn it off when he walked in until he said something. And it's just like, he talks about the culture that was kind of there. And they were like, this is what we always do coach. Like, I think they ha- both had to eradicate the cultures of the previous uh, coach. And obviously the previous coaches both left them in tough situations. I have one more question before we go. Um, our, one of our sponsors over at FanDuel currently has the line at eight and a half. Um, Nebraska is favored. Um, if you were a betting man, don't know if it's legal to bet in uh, Nebraska. So we're going to say if it you were. It is, as a matter okay. of fact, as so, of earlier this summer. Congratulations. <laughs> it's not legal to bet in California, so I'm not a betting man. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you were a betting man, and you could be, um, what what would you take about the, What do you like about this line? Is it too high, too low, or just right? I think you're starting to see a lot of Nebraska money, and that that's why that line is where it is. Because what I think it had it had been six and a half, mm-hmm. and then you started to see a lot of Nebraska a lot of Nebraska money go into there and, and taking the the points or minus the points. So now it's it stretched up to there. I still think if I had to if I if I had to put five dollars down right now, mm-hmm. I think I'd still take Nebraska minus the money. And a big part of that is that although Nebraska had a coaching change and there wasn't a lot of success last year there was still a modicum more of success than what Colorado had there. There are, there are some more, some more guys that are coming back that aren't quite as big of question marks. Like they've actually played in Lincoln. They they've played together. And when you look at Colorado, 
Colorado has a tougher first week than Nebraska does. Now, Nebraska's might end up meaning more because it's in the division mm-hmm. and what that's going to be with Minnesota, who's who's done really, really well the last several years other than the 2020 season, and they, they've got their own questions there. I think Colorado, it's going to be – it's going to come down to – I don't think it's going to be close in the first week. I, th- I think TCU is they're, – they're just so much more of a known commodity. I think it's going to be three touchdowns. Interesting. What what does that look like for Colorado where you've got guys that maybe they haven't meshed because that's not a lot of time to get all of these new guys in together, all of these transfers in together, all of the, these new guys if they came up from from high school to mesh all of those guys, put put in all of the new philosophy, the new tactics for everything, the play calling. Yeah. You don't want to m- mess up anything against a like a college football playoff team week 1 and then you have a new coaching staff there, so it's new support all around so many of these guys. How do they bounce back if that does get ugly on week one when yeah. now you're going home and there's all of this expectation that it, it's the start of the primary, you're you're back in Boulder, game one, oh, and it's this historical rival that's coming in that now there's this hatred for the fan base. What does that pressure do going into week two? And because that's such a big question mark, maybe yeah. those guys handle it well. Maybe they play closer against TCU and then have a whole bunch of a bunch of optimism going into week two. But I, because I don't know those answers, to yeah. me, a $5 safer money would be on Nebraska minus the points. Okay, I see, I see where you're coming from. I'm, I'm going to make a quick case for Colorado, um, just because obviously this is a Colorado-based yep, podcast. Yep. Uh, I started co- covering Colorado this year, um, focused a lot on the Big 12 last year. Um, and I did the preview of TCU for Athlon, and they lost a lot. You know, they lost mm-hmm. their quarterback, their receivers, their running backs. They lost two guys that combined for sixty percent of their sacks. Their secondary wasn't that good anyway. Um, we saw that against Georgia; they <laughs> yep. struggled. Um, I think a so, lot of people struggled against Georgia. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> Bo Nix looked terrible, and then all of a sudden he was a Heisman candidate a few <laughs> weeks later. Um, so Georgia's a bad comparison, but. I think the thing with TCU is, and this is what stands out to me the most about this matchup. I think their line at 20 and a half is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, Chandler Moore started the game for, for TCU, excuse me, against Colorado's team who I think if this Colorado team played last year's Colorado team, they'd probably beat him by 15. I think, yeah. I think so Chandler Moore struggled against that Colorado team. Obviously there's always time for improvement. He could get better. It's a second year in the system. That's what I'm going to watch out for week one. In the week two, it's going to be a home game. Um, Folsom Field is actually celebrating their 100th year, um, which is kind of crazy that they're both uh, both Nebraska and Colorado, 100 yeah. years. Um, it's going to be the first home game in front of the Folsom fans. And I think Nebraska and Colorado match up better in terms of they just have similar situations. Obviously, mm-hmm. the roster construction is different. Um, eight and a half feels at six and a half, I was like, Colorado could do that. Eight and a half, that feels like it's coming down to a touchdown is what they're telling us. Um, or a touchdown and someone goes goes for an extra point or something like a field goal or maybe. Um, so I don't know. That's a t- Nebraska is tougher for me because if I had to bet $5 right now, I'd probably take Colorado to cover against TCU at least. Mm-hmm. And then Nebraska, it's like, ooh. That that line is scary. I don't like yeah. close lines like that. Don't give me a close line like that. But and it's ten. In, it's ten in the morning in Boulder. It's true. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be a nine a.m. kickoff for you. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> it, that's the perk of California. It's like I wake up to college football, but I also I wake up to college football. It's like yeah. okay, time to rub the eyes a little bit, <laughs> get a little chipper. Um, 
Caleb, thank you for joining us and talking to us about all things Nebraska. We're definitely going to have you on during the week of the game. Got to see if anything's changed since then, how both teams did. Um, let the people know where they could find you and all your coverage of Nebraska. Yeah, you can see it right there. The Twitter handle at Henry. I got all the links to my stuff. Also on the, uh, if you go to allhuskers.com, you can see a lot of the stuff I write. And then klin.com, you know, I'm co-host on a morning show and kind of all over the place with a lot of stuff there. So best place right there, Twitter, Henry, And you can find all the links, all the stuff I do. And sometimes I am quote tweeting pictures of Colorado players making fun of them a little bit. Hey. The jerseys are big on purpose. It's a strategy. I'm calling it right now. Watch when they wear their regular season jerseys. The things are going to be skin tight and everybody's going to be looking huge. Um, I'm Kevin Borber. You guys can follow me on Twitter. You can like, subscribe, and follow this podcast. I appreciate all your guys' support. We're nearing 2,500 subscribers, so let's get that number up. And I appreciate all that you guys do in comments. So you guys have a great day.